You've got the music. You've got the desire. You've got the passion. We've got the knowledge. The musicpreneur.com podcast starts now. Welcome to another episode of the Musicpreneur podcast. I'm Jim Lambie, and I have the privilege of getting to interview someone who is a very positive and inspiring influencer in the bass community. I have with me today, Danny Zeman. Danny has created a great deal of noteworthy musical accomplishments, all while packaging them with effective music business strategies. Having written four books for bass and another co-written for all music teachers, Danny has also three online courses available through the Discover Double Bass website that I have found to be outstanding resources, all of which I have personally purchased and I highly recommend. Danny's further expanded his music business with his online course, The First Call Bassist. Now, one might assume these are all the results of a much older musician, but he's managed to get this done all before he turned 30. (laughs) I first saw Danny at the 2019 International Society of Bassists Conference at Indiana University as one of the many outstanding presenters, but it was the 2020 online bass summit last summer that really drew me to him. His teaching resonated with me, transcending age differences and tapping into my curiosity and discovering that there was so much more to learn from me to continue learning both on my playing end, but also from uh, from my teaching methods as well. Danny's uh, recent podcast interview with the enchanting and always inspiring bassist Katie Thoreau offers a great deal of Danny's musical history as he's developed as a successful musician. Today, I'll be asking Danny more about his approach to his music business. So, Danny, welcome. (laughs) Jim, thanks for having me, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Yeah, well, it's been interesting. I I had an interview recently with the bassist Brian Beller, and one thing that really resonated with me is his, his thought that the price for admission in the music business is being an excellent musician. So, in other words, you know, being an excellent musician in the music business isn't what's special. It's, you know, it's just like the beginning. And, um, you know, looking, listening again recently to Katie Thoreau's podcast with you and just thinking about the things I've gotten to know about you, you've definitely proven yourself to, you know, with all your musical credits you have under your belt. And I guess what I want to do, start with this question is, who or what were the biggest influences that helped you in that journey just to get to that point? I know there's a lot to that. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. And also just just to touch on the the quote that you shared that good musicianship is the the price of of entry. I just I love that quote. I'm going to steal that. I mean, it's so I, I have some long drawn out analogy compared comparing things to sports and, you know, being in the, the highest league, whatever. I'm going to steal that quote because that is that is gold. Yeah. Um, so in terms of my journey into being a uh, musicpreneur, um, there's so many people. There's so many people to thank to thank along the way and, and to um, credit for their influence. I, I mean, I guess the the genesis of of this entire thing, like me, I guess being brand as a musician entrepreneur, probably started when I wrote my first book. But to be honest, like I kind of stumbled. It was sort of out of necessity, and I kind of stumbled into the whole thing, and I didn't realize that it was an equitable path until you know, years after my stuff was already out there. Mm. So I wrote the low down one when I was, I was like, I started it when I was 23. I, I got, I happened to get this, this adjunct teaching job at a college in upstate New York, um, which I was very thankful for. And I had a number of students who were asking me like, Hey, how do I walk baselines? How do I, you know, develop skills X, Y, and Z. And so I, I was looking through a few books and they were, they were fine, but they didn't explain I mean, they were more than fine. There were some very good books, but they didn't explain things the way that I wanted them to be explained. So I was like, okay, I'll just write a little handout for my students. And it's like, ah, I'll just, whatever, I'll just write a book. I'll go for it. You know, need a project to work on. Okay. And so when I was done with it, I didn't even, I didn't even advertise. I told people on Facebook back when, you know, you could post things on Facebook and they didn't try to get you to advertise. So they would just, you know, push your stuff through the algorithm and, and, you know, advertise to the masses. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll put it on Facebook. It's up for sale on Amazon. And I, I almost felt like kind of guilty about pushing it because I felt like I was selling something that should be accessible to, to everybody. Mm. Um, so then wrote another book and then took it like two years off and then wrote another one. And at that point I was like, wait a second, 
I need to start thinking about like future career paths and I need to think about retirement and I need to think about like, you know, how to actually get this in the hands of people. It can't just be an accident that they come across my stuff. So that's, that moment is when I started to shift my perspective towards actually figuring out how to, you know, push these things, like how to really get them into the right hands. Cause to me, that's what advertisement is, is advertisement and business is all about making sure you're getting the right message and the right product to the, the people who are actually going to benefit. I developed my books and then I got in touch with Jeff Chalmers through Discover Double Base. And after I did my first and then second course, that's kind of like when I really made a concerted effort to push forward in the business path. So learning about um, Amazon marketing, learning about you know Facebook ads, doing the ISB presentations, basically like doing everything I could to really just make myself accessible as an educator. Um, so I was mm. spinning my wheels pretty fast. And then um, I actually had a conversation with uh, a dear friend and phenomenal bassist, Lauren Pierce. And she was telling me about this new way of working that that she, um, she just she was doing with developing online programs for bass players. And so she put me in touch with uh, one of her business mentors, uh, Jennifer Rosenfeld. And so I got in touch with Jennifer and uh, Jennifer kind of helped me think about effective strategies for reaching the right audience, finding ways to actually f- find the people who had used my books. I mean, at that point, I had sold a few thousand copies of my books, and my email list was 46 people deep, which is, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, probably the, the exact opposite of what you want to be doing if you are an author. Um, mm. You know, letting the letting the email list just kind of like fester and die out in the sun. So, I uh, yeah. I, I figured out strategies for basically collecting my audience, like trying to figure out who is using my books, trying to directly interview them, trying to get a sense of of what the needs of the base community are, and. Um, from there, just, you know, finding ways to create these workshops and resources for bass players who, um, you know, are are looking to kind of take their skills to the next level, but maybe also hitting a wall in, in certain points. So um, definitely, like, you know, in terms of the the business influence or the, the people who had a hand in that, Jennifer is like my, my number one right now. She's been amazing. Um, and then, uh, honestly, just the educators along the way who really got me to think about what is it that I'm trying to put out there. So it's not mm. so much a business strategy, but similar to the quote in the beginning where where it's like good musicianship is the is the entry price, you know, into the field. I think with teaching, um like it's not an accident that we stumble upon teaching, right? Like you have to love it and there's all this there's an art to it, but there's also a history to it and mm. and research and best practice. And so it's really figuring out like not what do I want to say, but what can I do that will help people that I can also be compensated for, but that I'm also motivated to to put out there? And so mm. that's where it's like the synergy of great influence from my educators and now for my business coach and trying to trying to fuse the best of both worlds to create something that, again, is helpful and sustainable um, and really aligns with my goals as a musician and an educator. That's awesome. Uh, boy, there were so many things you just shared that I want to kind of unpack a, f- a little bit. Um, I gave it to you all at once. Yeah, so. it was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is gold. Okay, so this is, I feel like we're getting the secret information, right? It's like we're getting behind the scenes of behind the scenes of what it takes to do this. And one of the things I've seen is a common pitfall that, uh, that my Longtime mentor uh, Jim Stinnett was always warning me against is selling yourself short with these very inexpensive um, packages uh, for and they're making a little bit of income, but they're they're not really honoring all the time and effort it took them to acquire that that ability to share that information. What was there anything that helped you avoid that pitfall and um, and and really go after what you would think? When you're doing this, you don't feel ripped off. You feel in in um, what's the word uh, energized. Like this is you, you feel like it's 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 benefiting you monetarily, perhaps and musically. So I I, I probably said way too much there. But my curiosity really is: how did you avoid, or did you consciously have to decide to avoid the pitfalls of selling yourself short? 
you just kind of have to do it. You just have to charge and like, I mean, if we're talking about money, you have to pick and go through your situation and figure out what you would need to earn in order to live, not an extravagant lifestyle, but live a lifestyle that supports your artistry and helps you take care of business. But like, again, aligns with your goals and fits within your needs. There's such an old model of trading like dollars for hours in terms of music teaching. And I remember just taking the incremental step of like, oh, I'm going to charge an extra five bucks an hour. Like, is that going to scare customers away? And it just became, to me, like it, it, it became so transactional. And I started to feel that way in my teaching. Like, and I've, I've taught, you know, professionally, like, in academia and various settings for, I mean, academia for like upwards of eight years and then outside of academia for like 12 or 13 years privately doing, I've paid my dues essentially like doing a lot of teaching and worked with all different types of students, like total beginners, kids, adult learners, college students, Mm. conservatory students. Like the common thread is if it's transactional teaching, like I'm getting paid to teach one lesson a week. There's so much energy that goes into thinking about what's the best way to price this. Is it competitive? Am I going to scare people away? You know, every time I teach an hour lesson, it's not just like I show up and I turn my teaching brain on. Like you have to prepare. Mm. You have to wind down when you're done. When you start to get burned out on that, and like, I'll be totally honest, I was burned out on private teaching. Like I was doing a lot of it and I got really burnt out. Mm. And I started, that's, that just poisons the well. You oh, know? Yeah. As, soon as, you, as soon as that feeling starts creeping in, it's like, oh, why am I doing this? Is it for the health insurance? Oh, like I hate that I need to do this for the health insurance. And like all this, all this crap just comes up that, that can really take away from the quality of the teaching and it takes away from the student, right? Like, mm. and eventually I just tried to pivot away from that and do things that were, course oriented. So like longer term goals, different pricing structure, um, something that, you know, over the long run is still, it's an, an investment, but it's also, you know, it's, it's reasonable and it also raises the bar. So like the people who join and want to study with me are committed, but I'm also more committed. And so I've shifted away from the private, the private model of one-on-one. I've actually found that doing group teaching has generated better results in my students and it's generated more creative, more focused, more effective teaching from me. Mm. And I just, I didn't even consider the the one-on-one pricing structure anymore just because like all the stuff we're talking about, like building courage to get up there and do it. It's, it's so hard. The, the one takeaway from that is like, I read, I read some books on, it's like just getting over your mo- like money blockages. Like we all have baggage. Everybody has baggage around money. Like either we don't have enough yeah. or we feel negativity towards people who have a lot, or we feel like it's unfair. Mm. Uh, we feel like it doesn't, it doesn't bring, um, you know, relief to us. It just makes anxiety, um, so I had a lot of money issues that I had to deal with. And so I read this, read a couple books, which I can, I can look up afterwards and, and sure. send them. I'd love um, that. Yeah. And it's just like, why, why should I be concerned if I'm charging 50 or 55 or a hundred or $105 an hour for a lesson? Like mm. I need to get paid what I'm, what I'm worth, you know, right. and every, like every other profession does that mm. and no one questions it. So there's a lot of, uh, there, there's a lot of the sort of communal wisdom about what we should be charging or what we should be doing for our pricing structure. It's archaic, you know, um, in some ways, sure. and it devalues what we do. And I think, you know, like when I go to a tax attorney and I pay 250 bucks an hour to get my taxes done, it's like, yeah, it's money well spent. They're a professional. <laughs> I know that it's getting done well. I don't question it. And I think we have the same ability yeah. to charge the same. We just, you know, there's, there's a lot of that, uh, it's just, it's just a really energized topic. You know? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot behind it. Well, I I've heard you mention this this term a couple of times before. I think you were, uh, I forget the context, but I think it speaks a bit to that that struggle with some people with imposter syndrome and wondering if, um, like, when I was a younger musician, I always felt like I was too young. And you seem to have really overcome that barrier, you know, and lean into it. I got some questions about that, I think. But also, then I got older. And now I'm too old. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And I still have things to learn. And so it's like, okay, wait, wait, wait. We got to just unpack this whole thing and or dismantle 
whatever the barriers are. Because ultimately, and having done this personally, there's a long story to this journey, Danny, but I have found much more joy in music now that I've gotten through dismantling some junk in my life. And, and it's just now it's just fun and I get on stage with people and I'm not worried and I'm just listening and I'm, I'm you know, oh, there's a mistake. Now I'm not like, oh, oh no, it's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, what are we going to do? But, they know. Right? They know I made a mistake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to that point, you know, you think about the pricing, right? You know, musicians, oh, man, there's so many people that have cut themselves short over the years. And I think in the process, they've cut their ability to reach more people, perhaps that fear has caused them to not get as much notice as they could be or or be able to share that influence that they could offer. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think... I mean, that's such a great, that's such a great point. You know, it's like the imposter syndrome, I think can make it difficult for people to, to charge what they're, you know, charge a, a good value for themselves. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, it's just the eternal, the eternal struggle for musicians. But the, the thing that I had to remind myself is that if what we're doing is in service of the community, well, it's a couple things. What we're doing is in service of the community, right? So our intentions are to serve the people around us. Mm. We're not trying to rip anybody off by charging more money. We're we're doing things that are good for the community. There are a lot of musicians who don't think like that. They're like, I play this way and I should be able to play with these people and for this amount of money. It, it, they start to get poisoned by that. Some people think that teaching is a calling and mm. therefore we should be, we should do it as charity. And I say that's to me that that's garbage. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but it is, it is a profession. Yes. Like, and we are not like, there are plenty of ways to serve the community that don't devalue what we're, what we're offering people. But, um, I mean, really, it's not like it's not a calling. We, you know, we hear people say like, oh, teachers only work nine months out of the year. It's like, that 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 no. is so so bogus. Like there are so many right. in so many misconceptions about what we do as as teachers, and there are also a lot of misconceptions that we have about what people are willing to to spend, or what people value financially about their education. Yes, that was that's the big one. Mm-hmm. So we can never assume anyone's financial situation. Mm. You know, it's there's a difference between having fear around raising prices and charging something that you're worth mm. and actually knowing if someone is able to afford it or not. Mm. And there's just no way, there's no way of knowing those things. And I think that is what people confuse and what ultimately prevents them from charging a, a price that is that feels good to them is because they are they already just think that no one's going to pay for it. Mm. Which we know is not true. Everyone, I mean, people need cars, people like people have to pay for things. It's just what they, what they value um, and how they, you know, yeah. How they value their experience. Yeah. I think, yeah, it speaks to the fact that someone, someone, so many are their own worst enemies in this business. I've heard some conversations I heard recently, I think it was the Victor Wooten's newest book. He was saying something to the effect that musicians are really, they want to work. And then the first the first thing that happens when they get a gig is they start complaining. The gig and complaints are synonymous. And it's just a, it's just like flipping the mind about things. And I think where I'm going with that is in terms of our business is uh, I often like when I'm about to do a podcast, I'm getting ready for gigs. I feel this anxiety. Like, uh, you know, I'm getting ready. I want to do good. My adrenaline's kicking in different things. And, uh, and I'm, you know, I've been a professional basis a good long time. And, there's this kind of weird thing that happens. And I go, oh, wait, wait, I get to do this. And I get to do this with great musicians because I've, I've somehow my enthusiasm, my accomplishments have been a magnet towards good people, equality. And then it all kind of comes into place. And then when we talk about business, it's like the same kind of thing. It's like kind of realigning the thoughts, I think. And the, that, that poisonous thinking of a spirit of entitlement can get into people's minds. I should be, or I need, they're really actually in charge of their, what's happening anyway. So with that, is it, that inspire any thoughts for you to share? The music business is often its own separate entity from the creation of music, hmm. right? Like, you know, for every, every performer, there's an agent, there's a booking manager, there's sound people. There's, I mean, there's a whole crew of people that deal with the business 
and logistical side of being a musician. And so it's something that we don't usually get a chance to study because we are working on the craft so much. And I think it, of course, like, like you said, the, the entry price is, is good musicianship that, mm. that will never go away. But, you know, even now it's like, now you see colleges making a rush towards creating music business classes for people. Cause they're like, Oh wait, we actually need to teach people how to do these things. And I think it's kind of like, I don't know. It's not really a supplement. Like you are a business. Like every person is a business yeah. as a musician. And so it's not something that you can just supplement really. Like it's, it's kind of a way of thinking about how you want to present yourself and how you want to, uh, or where you want to go professionally, what you're aiming for. And I think that would also help to solve a lot of these, these ways of thinking that, you know, put gaps in, in our uh, relationship with money or, you know, make us think about, oh, well, what are other people charging? Like, what's what's the going rate here? Like, am I charging too much? And it's like, mm. it kind of takes away the focus on, on right? Like being being in the music and, and serving people and yeah. helping them, like as a teacher, helping them get from point A to point B. And again, I think it's just, it's that way of thinking. It's not, it's, it's like going to the gym, you know? It's, mm -hmm. it's helpful to go to the gym but not if you smoke a pack of cigarettes a day and like you, you know, yeah. you, you eat like crap. But if you do that, in addition to just leaving, leading, leading a healthy lifestyle, then it's a great supplement. And the same way of like thinking about us as, as a, a business and not like in a slimy way, but just like, how does everything we do have an impact on our careers and our right. ability to be successful, thriving musicians in all counts, right? Like right. gigs are more fun when we're not like, playing six $50 gigs a day because we need to, in order to pay our rent. I mean, I I've been there, mm -hmm. I've done that. Yes. Um, Same. But it's, yeah. It, yeah. And it's not, it's not viable and it leads to a different type of creativity. Um, so that's where I, again, like I'm, I know I'm digressing a little bit away from your original question, but I, I think it's so, it's so holistic. Everything is so, yeah. so connected in this. No, I, I agree. Um, it's, it is connected. Um, there's, the hope I have with doing this podcast is just stirring some thoughts up um, as I'm curious about the business and some of the, you know, people like you who have um, gone through the gauntlet of, of getting established. There, this is not an overnight success for you. Your first call bassist um, course was exceeded your expectations of success in terms of interest and the actual uh, quality of clients, I call them clients, like these are the people that were vetted out in your process of interviewing and, and then you ended up having to add spaces, right? Like, I think one of the things that, I, and I wanna stir a thought on this one is this, um, what I noticed when I was interested in that program and I inter you interviewed me, you asked me a bunch of questions, but I noticed that in your way of presenting and then my one-on-one -on -one interaction with you, you have a disarming way about you. And it's like, oh, this guy is a safe place. Now, I've been around a lot of old school type of players that have kind of like a, let's just call it um, uh, eccentric way of talking that sometimes is puzzling. <laughs> and yeah. I always feel kind of small or like confused. And I think it's intentional, perhaps, maybe, I don't know. But you don't do that. And um, was there anything that influenced that? Because I think that that uh, that gifting you have or that skill is something that makes people a little bit more open to what you have to share. Did, did somebody or something influence that approach for you? Uh, well, thank you, first off, for, for sharing that. And I, I really appreciate your, your perspective on that. You bet. Um, I mean, I've been really fortunate to have some amazing music teachers along the way. And I credit... I credit those teachers with showing me great ways to teach and great ways to do it with kindness and through positivity. Mm. Um, one of my high school music teachers, Dr. Stephen Schuen, uh, he actually just retired two weeks ago after mm. a 30 year career. His main goal in life was to foster a love and a love for music in every student he interacted with. Mm. And he like, he wasn't necessarily a jazz musician, but he was a composer. Every, every kid in our school would, compose and they would get private composition lessons and we would play student compositions on concerts. Everybody was learning to improvise. Everybody was treated as an equal. Mm. And it was just such a, a 
great positive way of, of motivating people. And also, I think most importantly, removing the hierarchy between I am the teacher and you are the student. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so there, there's something, I mean, there's a, there's a quite a bit of research on this now. I'm also like a huge, huge junkie for that stuff, like total nerd for it, Yeah. for, for academic research about motivation and everything. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's this idea of, you know, there, there's this oppressor and oppressee role that can happen in, in music teaching right? where, you know, the teacher serves like the, the, te- the student rather is there to like glorify the teacher or there is some, uh, you know, there is some of that self-serving part that that can come up in the teacher-student relationship. And mm. so I don't even think of myself necessarily as a teacher anymore. It's more of like a coach. Yeah. And I try to, you know, foster a lot of like what Steve Schoen did or, um, you know, I had some great like educators, Dave Stringham, um, Chris Azera, John Fetter, and so on. Like there, there are so many to Well, list. your first, the one you were talking about, uh, would you say Chris Schoen? Uh, Steve Schuen. Steve Schuen, sorry. Um, he was your high school teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the guy we saw on your, you did a 10 day uh, extended free <laughs> online uh, workshop and you had him on there. Yeah. And now that I, I'm putting it together, I asked the question, I had forgotten about him. And now I'm thinking, oh, that totally makes sense. You were modeled. He has a sincere, infectious joy about music and, and sharing. And that definitely came across in the short time that I got to see him talk. Yeah, he's just such a such a model for like uh, incredible music teaching. Like yeah. he he could be teaching at any university, any school. He could be living a life as a full-time composer. I mean, he's a brilliant, brilliant person. Hmm. And he just loves he loves teaching. So I, I just like uh, as a a person who has also been around the old school kind of uh, you know hard ass approach to mm-hmm, teaching, mm-hmm. where it's like get it right or else, right? Or like the oh if you can't do this you'll never have a chance, you know? Like we we've all heard those types of things, and mm-hmm. it's like who does that serve right. the teacher or the student, you know? And and I think that everything can be taught from a point of positivity. Mm. You know, I have a certain amount of experience that um, I think is is beneficial for people in our space. Like the fact that people already show up and are there means they're motivated. Right. And I, it's a joy for me to be able to to share this. And, and not only that, but to take people through a process that is often underutilized in, in teaching, like emphasis on singing and, mm-hmm. you know, actually doing things. Like we've also been in situations where we've learned from teachers who just talk at you mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, this is great. I understand all this stuff, but can I do it? No. No. And so yeah. with this this approach to teaching, it's like, okay, not only am I going to show you what's possible for you, but like we're going to do it together. We are actually going to go through the steps, mm. make it interactive, and I want you to experience the joy of being able to do this independently. Um, so that's that's always the goal. And yeah, I mean, that, that sort of disarming approach i think is vital mm. for for transfer of knowledge otherwise it's just i mean you can get that anywhere you know you can get people who will tell you stuff like you can get free advice from from musicians everywhere too but it's like this is this is something special that i want to cultivate for people cuz they're in my space and they've trusted me with with their you know their musical journey that's a privilege have you ever found anybody that you look up to asking you how you're doing it have you found that your breakthroughs have led to others? Because where I'm going with this is I've I've learned and I've given a talk on this is the pro mindset and a professional is not afraid to ask for help. And um, how are you finding that in your community or the people you've looked to or been influenced by that are, are, are resonating with stuff that you're doing that they hadn't thought to do or something? Can you share on anything on that? Yeah, men- mentors who have reached out and asked me for advice, maybe on. I mean, sometimes the the teaching side of things, like, hey, how would you how would you teach this? You know, if people were auditioning for something, what would you listen to? What would you listen for? Mm. Um, but also the technology side of things, like what what are effective ways to actually teach online and and make sure that you're creating a good learning oppor- good learning opportunities for students. That's been really gratifying. You know, everyone has a mentor that they keep you know, or a few mentors that they keep close to them. That, sure. Uh, it's a straight conduit past our our ego, past our defenses. And it's just like, okay, whatever you say, whatever you ask, like, I am, I'm going to take it and I am, I'm going to receive it. In those situations, it's just like, 
you know, huge dopamine kick and like a real boost of confidence. Sure. To be, you know, learning exists on an equal plane. You, you can't just throw knowledge down at people because it just, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work so well. It's like, it really needs to be an equal platform for people to, to experience the, the power of it. That's good. Yeah. I've had to learn over the years. I've been where I, where I teach in the military school. Uh, I've evolved so much as a teacher based on some of these things uh, you're talking about, because in the end, there's this collaboration that happens. Um, the student I have isn't just learning how to play the instrument. They're already a, seat, they're a proven pro, but I have to get them ready to be ready for the commercial skill set. And there's obviously one, there will be something that they're, they need help in. And it doesn't matter what degrees they've had. I used to be intimidated by some people with some high level education, only to realize that it's, it's really, there's just, we're all learning. We're always got something. And we're trying to do here, what I do is I, I get them ready for the job. The job's going to be a big ask for a lot of people who have maybe, a, a, you know, like more of a tendency to play or love one style over another. But the job they have hi- been hired for is going to require, you know, openness to embracing and leaning into some of the discomfort of not being strong at other things. And so, you know, as a teacher myself, I just thought, oh, yeah, I really being um, more collaborative in my teaching and, and, and speaking to the idea that, hey, we're colleagues in this. It's just, I just know something you don't know right now. And, and I hope I can, through this process, invite you to unpacking that with me, you know, because I've, I've worked on that. And there are things that my students have been good at that I go, oh, wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I'm going to take that. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing about, you know, making a, making a business out of this too, is mm. like, you know, getting back to the very first thing you shared, like musicianship is the the price of entry. And I think, you know, you, as a teacher too, like, cause uh, you know, or as, as a coach, you know, you can't like, I mean, there's so many things like you can't make outlandish promises about what students are going to be able to do. And you can't create environments where people don't want to feel vulnerable or where mm. they won't open up and try things. And I think that's where, you know, there are just certain fundamentals about it where it's like, if if you have an aptitude for this and you enjoy teaching and it aligns with what you do and you're motivated to get better at it, then you can create opportunities where it can be equitable, where the students can succeed and they're going to want to be with you. Um, and that's, you know, again, it's like I'm, now I'm even more motivated, like the stuff you're saying, like I, I will ask my colleagues and I, I mean, even Steve Schuen, you know, my, my high school music teacher, I call him at least once a month and I just take him through like what I'm designing in my curriculum or, or ways of teaching. Like, Hey doc, you know, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble with, you know, transferring idea X to idea Y. Like, how can I make a better connection between these these two things? Mm. And we'll just talk through it. And it's like, there's, there's just no, I mean, with education, there's no secrets, right? Right, like, right, right. I mean, I don't know. There's so many, there's so many great ways of learning and everyone knows how to learn anyway. So it's not like there's, there's really like some magic sauce to doing it. It's just, right. you know, if people are also going to spend their money to work with you, they want to feel comfortable and they want to feel like it's a good investment of their their time and their their financial resources so it's it's coming back you know full circle it's all of these things about um creating the right vibe and the right space for people to be vulnerable and to really feel respected and listened to and and you know to open up and try try what you're you're going for i'll tell you what i got a question for you because i know we're going to run out of time I, i'd love to for you to share a little bit of some of your biggest lessons learned you learned like i try to remind my students like you see all this gray hair i have this is i earned it and i want i want to try to share some wisdom from the gray hair so that's my that's my shtick right but um and i want because i've made some face plants in my career and i want to try to see if i can help guide them or inform them on ways to avoid or maybe enhance their their learning now so that they can maybe be better than I was in those cases. I don't know. But but for that, with that spirit in mind, what are some of your like uh, setbacks and or lessons learned that you'd, you'd be willing to share that have helped you in your business development and music? I haven't had any like totally nuclear moments, but um, <laughs> the the things I mean for for me that were pretty energy consuming and like you know burnout inducing. It's like I am an all. You could I mean Jim, you probably know this now. I'm like an all or nothing person. I'm mm. all in. Like when I do something, it's like a hundred percent. And uh, with my last 
you know, program that I ran. So I did the 10 day, like the 10 day summit we were talking about with mm -hmm. three day workshop and 10 days of interviews. And I worked on that for four months, 16 hours a day in the dead of winter in the middle of a pandemic, you know? So it's like, that's all there was to do was just work. Right. And I crushed myself. Like I buried myself into the ground and I was so unbelievably burnt out. I put in probably five times as much energy as I did for my first workshop and program announcement. The yield was was good, but I probably could have spent like 400% less energy into it and mm. still had an equally awesome experience. And so the biggest thing that I have learned is that your emotional commitment to something doesn't necessarily match the amount of energy that you have to put into it. Oh. And that means like, I can be really pumped about an idea and then spend 16 hours a day working on it. Or I could spend four hours a day working on it and I will probably get the same results. And it's it's really easy for me to think that putting a lot of time into something generates a better result. And I know that sounds so counter, but I think when we're passionate about building a business, it's really easy to go overboard because we think that the more the more money, or sorry, the more time we put into it, the more money we're gonna get. And it's mm. like, that's not always the case. It's like work, work smarter, not harder, mm. right? Like, um, so that's something that I, something that I had to learn because I really like, I hit, I hit a pretty low point where I was just exhausted. You know, I wasn't going outside enough. It's like, mm. it was, yeah, it was just really like cent central European country in the middle of winter during a lockdown and not able to travel, not able to see family and just working all the time. It's like, it's not a good breakaway from things. So I, I, I have to be careful to really balance this, like, Treat it as something I'd love, put the appropriate amount of energy into it, but know where the boundaries are and know what's going to actually take things to the next level and what's going to be okay. You know, like what doesn't require as much energy all the time? Because oh. for me, yeah, that's like the biggest thing. I'm reminded of an older couple that were seasoned travelers. They're, they're in their retirement years, they were missionaries and they always made it a point to never have to get paid by anybody to do what they did. And one of the pieces of uh, advice they gave me for traveling is pack your suitcase and then take half of it out. Just wow. pack everything you think you need and then take half of it out. I'm like, yeah, because you're not going to wear half of that stuff. And then you're going to need room for the things you're going to acquire when you come back. And I thought, well, isn't that it really kind of like a great illustration for what you're talking about? Like, I need all this stuff. Now take half of it out. I tell that to my students with their, their bright ideas for their auditions they do at my school. Yeah, come up with all these ideas. Now let's unpack half of it <laughs> and see how much gasoline you're really willing to burn to get what you, you're hoping to get, right? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a that's a beautiful a beautiful analogy. Totally. Right? I mean, we... For me, it feels good to put a lot of energy and enthusiasm into something. But again, it's like, yeah, pack half of it. Like, I don't have to plan every single thing I'm going to do. And knowing me, I'll char I'll draft out a hundred email templates that I'm going to use through the course of a a workshop or something, and then I'm going to change them anyways. You yeah. know, it's, it's like I'll change it in the moment based on how I'm how I'm feeling about something. So it's like also figuring out what's something that is like a core idea that I'm trying to work on, right? And what's something that like, as I go back and edit, you know, I'll just change things that don't really, don't really make a difference or like, don't really change the meaning of what I'm trying to get across. So that's when I know I'm like, okay, I don't need to put any more energy into this. That's done. I put my time in, like I'll deal with those types of things, things right. later. So that, I guess the other piece of advice I would have, I mean, again, not, not necessarily like a face plant, um, but I have found it valuable to try all of the strategies that come my way because being in business is not about operating within your comfort zone because if it is, nobody would be in business. Mm, you know? It's like, yeah. it, it requires us to be, to do things that are naturally not, not familiar or comfortable. And so I, I have like kind of covered the scope of like latest digital marketing trends and like getting deep into copywriting and figuring out all of those techniques that are successful. And trying them and realizing like what really does not work for me and what does not come across as, as my authentic self. And then what does, like how to hone my voice throughout 
all, all of this process, mm. um, that some of those things were extreme, like anxiety inducing, Yeah, you know, like extremely anxiety inducing to, to go into some of those like really deep marketing, um, techniques that are like so foreign to me, mm. but I'm really happy that I did it because now I have a good sense of how things work. And, and again, like what my, what my strategies are. So it's like, to me, no one likes, I mean, no one likes to be uncomfortable, right? Right. <laughs> like no, we, no, we want to no. feel good. So for me, it's like, that was a moment where I was really, really, really vulnerable. And now I know like the edges or the extremes of like wh- what, what tools are effective, but like really what just represents me best and how I can do that sustainably. Cause mm. we're in business to be in business, you know, right. it's not just one. Wow, you've really unpacked some really great ideas, uh, Danny, for the behind the scenes of somebody who is uh, honing their craft of business approach to music. So I found that really beneficial. I really enjoyed that 10 day. I got a lot out of it. Just You just really crafted a really fun event that was uh, informative, inspiring and all that stuff. But it was just... And I can see, you know, now as you've shared what you just did, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can totally see that. That's that's um that's a great lesson learned for you and that's a great lesson to pass on to the musicpreneur uh community um as we all want to do our best in in our music business um because ultimately like i get reminded by my wife because i have these things i like to buy for myself for instruments and stuff (laughs) we got to weigh out the out output and the input Uh, and it's caused me to be a little bit more creative to use what I have in a, a higher, deeper extent and get more resourceful uh, so that I can have more of a benefit to my family. You know, that the music business isn't just constantly pouring back into the music business, you know. And you were speaking to the time aspect. So that was really, I think, very beneficial to hear you share. So thank you for sharing that. I have a few thoughts. I think you've unpacked a few things I was going to ask you about right off the bat. So that was really cool. Um uh, you have coming up uh, a three-day intensive version of the First Call Bassist uh, course. Yeah. So can you talk about what your intent was to do this uh, compact version? Yeah, so I wanted to offer a way for people who you know, have been interested in working with me, like either privately or just join my email list and see my videos. So people who want to get deeper inside developing listening skills. And I wanted to create just like a really intensive environment for people to absorb the best of these ideas, but I wanted to make it fun and motivating. So Mm. like I made the price very accessible for the nearly 17 hours of of content that people are getting Mm -hmm. brought in some leading pedagogues and, and, um, you know, from, from different, uh, areas of music education. I mean, I use the phrase overwhelm people with awesomeness. Mm. Like I want them to leave so motivated and so supercharged to transform their ability to listen and really develop their, their intrinsic listening skills, put them in an environment where they can feel vulnerable. They can, they can really feel the sense of community and they walk away with an actual plan to be able to to do these things, um, so I'm exp- you know I'm expanding my sort of portfolio of of offerings. Sometimes I love like I love working with huge groups of people. Sure. It's like so so fun for me to have a hundred or two hundred or three hundred people on the other side of a Zoom call, you know, yeah. and you're just like, okay, everybody, like let's sing together. And it's like just the fact that that's able to happen is so is so awesome. And so with with the intensive it's like to have a big group of people to remove the mystery behind like how do we learn tunes without a real book? You know, mm. it's something that that is so valuable for us as bass players, you know, every jazz musician. Sure. And there's a lot of mystery behind it. So it's like this is this is a way to just create something that's accessible to people that does require a certain amount of time, you know, so like I only want people who are like really serious about developing these skills. And it's also cool for me, like I'm always trying to create things that are getting me to think about different uh program designer curriculum design as an educator. So like, how can I take the six month curriculum? Like I've got my stack of papers behind me. It's like 150 pages long. Mm. How can I condense that into a three day experience? That's uh, always good for me to sort of challenge what I'm, what I'm comfortable doing and see how I can continue to expand and, and, you know, reach, reach different people and reach a different audience. So it looks like that 10 day, that workshop you had come up with is now funneled into this three-day intensive. Very cool program. I'm looking forward to attending myself. It's it's honing down 
your uh, your efforts, maybe. I don't know. Does that, does that sound, am I on the right track with that? I have a couple courses that I, like different programs that I offer throughout the year. So I've got my six month sort of flagship program. Yeah. I just finished a 10 week program. I've got this three day event. Um, but the thing is that I'm like more than offering the the programs, I try to like consistently offer free workshops and free events for people to attend. Okay. Because I, again, I just want to overwhelm them with, with awesomeness. And I mm-hmm. want them, you know, maybe 1% of the people who I speak with will want to work with me in some professional capacity. So mm-hmm. like really I design these experiences for the 99% of people who I know are going to take it, enjoy it, and then continue on their path. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe without me. Um, that's really what I'm doing this for because now that I have this business side of things that is equitable and does support me, uh, you know, financially, I have the time to be able to create things that don't have any financial incentive for me, Mm. but are valuable for the community. And that's sort of like my injection of good, good, positive energy, good karma into the community. Um, and it just really goes to supporting supporting people who are maybe they don't have access to resources or as many resources. So that's that's sort of the the idea. You know, of course, I have these these courses that I'm offering, and and these free events are a great way for people to find out about them. Sure. But it's it's really ultimately about serving the people who I know are not gonna not gonna be there. Like I really want to create something awesome for everybody to to right. enjoy and walk away with. Yeah, that speaks to a, a thought that's coming to mind is the law of reciprocity. Um, yeah. We we reap what we sow, as the old saying goes. But I, I notice with your free events, I never I, I know that there's an ask coming. I mean, that's just business. That's good business. There should be an ask coming in terms of buy my book, join this course, whatever. That's good business. But you don't you don't um, shortchange the 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 funnel getting to that that ask. So that's that's a good lesson for me as I watch how you do that, and I, I'm I'm with a band right now who does a very similar kind of thinking in in a different, of course, a different venue in terms of live performance, but they want to overwhelm people with awesomeness, and we're coming back, and this the my band leader is just doing a fantastic job of of investing the right, and and negotiating for us. So I feel like. We are giving our best. We've got some of the best musicians in the area in this band. And it's just like there's a synergy going on. But in the end, the investment of of, of trying to instill this uh, overwhelm them with awesomeness thing, I think, is is just the investment of, of, of better things to come. And I think that's what we're seeing with your business. So I think that's a great – I've heard this before. You, you know, uh, there's many books I've read. Just exceed expectations. And then that comes from a place of passion too. So I mean, you you have a sincere passion for it. So that's that's evident. So that's neat. That's given me a lot to think about <clears throat> in terms of future decisions for myself too, and those that are part of our community here at uh, Musicpreneur. So any parting words, thoughts that you might uh, that we hadn't covered that you might uh, want to share something that uh, maybe perhaps promote or or um, something that is on your mind that um, you'd like to share as we uh, close up. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, you know, in terms of the the ask, so I do have the three day intensive that mm-hmm. I will, uh, if if it's okay for me to. Oh to, please, yeah, share. yeah. So it's it's happening July seventh through 9th, and um, all via Zoom. And the the purpose of this is just to transform our listening abilities and really give ourselves this, the skills to be able to learn music by ear without charts, and so that way when we're on the bandstand, we're not thinking about what we should be playing, but we're able to listen, you know, w- with more freedom and, and to really support the people around us. So super excited about that. I know I'll see you there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so in terms of, of uh, any parting, parting words or uh, closing thoughts, um, one of the things that can be scary and one of the things that I had to deal with was competition. Mm. And I think it's a really kind of a nasty word to think about because mm. I think competition um, really puts the emphasis on, well, what about me? And it makes us scared. And these, you know, these, these anxious thoughts can come up. Mm. And then I think it, it puts the, it puts the focus in the wrong place. So, um, you know, someone shared to me or someone close to me shared, even if the light shines somewhere else, you know, it still, it still casts, casts light on you. So like if someone else is doing something in your space, 
it, it doesn't necessarily take away attention from what you're doing. In fact, it's, it can still draw attention to what you're doing. And I think mm. it can be really great for differentiating yourself. And so, you know, with, with business, if other people are coming, like there are some people who are operating in the jazz base space now who are doing programs and that I actually, I think it's great, you know, because it really gives me a chance to differentiate what I'm doing. I think it's great that there's this emphasis on people who are, are trying to learn mm. and you know, it really helps me find my super fans. You know, I don't want to capture an audience of 30,000 people. Like if I have a hundred people who are super pumped to work with me and kind of consistent fans, then that's great. Yeah. You know, that's something I, that's, that's something that will always be there for me. And so the more that pops up, the more it gives me a chance to think about what am I offering and how can I, you know, keep with, with the changing tide mm. and really like, who am I? Yeah. What's my brand? What's my, what's my offering? How am I differentiating myself? Um, you know, so it is scary. It, it did, it did encourage me to put my big boy pants on when mm. I, when I got into that space. But, um, that was like one of the best lessons, you know, is, is to just kind of embrace it and, and appreciate that part. And it, and it really does make us even better and more informed about what we're doing. That put light on a thing that, that, that a lot of people don't want to talk about. That was really good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like that a lot. All right, Danny. Well, I appreciate you so much for for agreeing to meet with me for this podcast. And uh, I've been wanting to ask you a lot of these questions anyway. And now that I have this um, platform to do it, I mean, oh, this is great. I'm, I'm, I learned a lot. It's satisfied. It's scratching an itch of curiosity of mine as I as I continue to grow my own music business and as others are in theirs. So I look forward to seeing you at the three-day intensive. I'm already signed up, ready to go. Um, yeah, you, you got my you got me, man. I'm I'm in, and um, I think I think you're doing great things, and I appreciate your approach. It's it's a very bright light in the midst of all the the pitfalls of all the choices out there. <laughs> so. uh, well, thank you, thank you, and I I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show and also to be in your space. I mean, what you're doing is so inspiring, and it's you know we like we are all fellow travelers mm. in this journey, and so to be you know to be a part of what you're doing and and how you're sharing you know the importance of of being an entrepreneur as musicians mm. like it's so i i wish i wish i knew about this years ago mm. you know like this this type of stuff that you're doing and so uh you know big big kudos to you for for making that um you know a, a strong part of of how people are considering being being musicians like so awesome it's yeah. so necessary such a need for it you bet. Well, thank you for that. And um, with that, Danny, Danny Zeman, check him out, dannyzeman.com. You're going to find everything you need to know about his books, his courses. Uh, it'll be a, a, a platform or the funnel to get to know him. You can look him up on uh, discoverdoublebase.com as well. Just look him up on YouTube. Uh, get curious and discover the wonderful things this young man has to offer. Awesome. Thank you again, Jim. You bet. Visit musicpreneur.com for more podcasts and access to the exclusive Musicpreneur mobile app that contains content not available anywhere else on the web. That's musicpreneur.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.